week we looked at uh, Matthew 26, and we also said that uh, on some of this synoptic gospels, which we know as being Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they're parallel in a lot of things. Um, so today we're going to look at some stuff that Matthew alone recorded. Um, but it's uh, it's uh, it's re real interesting how the Lord moved in these people. And as we started in Matthew, we know that he was a Jew and he wrote to the Jews from the Jewish perspective. And uh, and the others are flavored by their uh, where they came from. Doctor Luke wrote um, as as he saw, as he researched according to what he said, Mark wrote what Peter preached. And we talked about that last week, that it could be called the Gospel of Peter, but it's called the Gospel of Mark. But it's basically what Peter preached. In, in chapter 26, beginning with verse 57, we're, we're on Thursday now, they had to pass over, and it's Thursday night, and um, and he was Jesus was arrested and, and betrayed on that night, and uh, we'll read a little bit about uh, Caiaphas here, and as we have talked about the Synoptic Gospels, we said that John was was one that came back and kind of filled in the blanks and the better part of of uh, Matthew 18 and 19 in John gives a better picture of the last uh, day uh, in Jesus life uh, he, he he gives like he said he, he fills in the blanks and he he did some things that or tells us some things that the other gospels did not give us so let's pick up in verse 57 of Matthew 26. We'll just read this. And it's, uh, it's part of Jesus uh, going to Caiaphas there uh, on Thursday night, which was a rushed up thing. And we'll see that in a minute. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. But, G but Peter followed a, at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest and entered in and sat down with officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain a false witness against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, but, but even though many false witnesses came forward, but later on two came forward, and we talked about that. John 2 tells us uh, about adds to that, verse 61. This man stated that I'm able to destroy the temple uh, of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said to him, what do you not answer? What is it these men that are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And he goes on to talk about um, that 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 conversation between Caiaphas and Jesus or lack of conversation on Jesus' part. 
then we had Peter's denial um, that he prophesied in old, over in verse um, 34 of, uh, of the chapter that Jesus said he would deny him three times before the cock crew. And that brings us to chapter 27. Now this first few verses in chapter 27, the first 10 verses, are not recorded anywhere else uh, in the Gospels. We have another little part that we'll talk about. So verse 1 of chapter 27. Now when morning came, the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred against uh, Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate the governor. Then when Jesus, when Judas, excuse me, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse, returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, but they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed and went away and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver and said it is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury since it's the price of blood. And they conferred uh, together what the money and with the money bought the potter's field a burial place for strangers. For this reason, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then <clears throat> that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, that they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of one who, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Um, <clears throat> There's several things in here we just want to bring out, you know. Verse 3, uh, when Judas felt betrayed, he saw that he had been condemned. Uh, he, he knew uh, that, that he was, he got caught. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't remorseful for what he did. He was sorry that he got caught. Um, that happens to us. Sometimes we're not remorseful for what we did, but we're sorry we got caught. So he returned the 30 pieces of silver and, and he gave it back to them and they says, what's that of you? And then the chief priest couldn't take the silver back because it was the price of blood. But they could give it to him in the first place to betray him. So there's a little hypocrisy going on there, you know, of what they could and what they could not do. Hold your finger there because we're going to come right back to, to uh, Matthew 27. But go to Acts, the first chapter of the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Uh, fourth book over. Uh, Chapter 1 of, uh, of Acts. And <clears throat> Dr. Luke, uh, when he was investigating uh, what he did, uh, <clears throat> let's uh, pick up reading about verse 15 of the first chapter of Acts. 
At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren that gathering about him. 120 persons were there together and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in the ministry. Now this wicked, excuse me, now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness falling headlong and he burst open in the middle and his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem so in their own language the, the field was called which is the field of blood. So uh, Dr. Luke said that when he hanged himself according to what we find out in Matthew 27 that evidently he was he was hung in a private place somewhere and it was a while before they found him because the details he had here was that um, uh, he had been there long enough for his middles to, to burst out. So it was a violent, it was a violent death that, that, that Judas uh, had. Then we skip on over a little bit to verse 9 and we find an Old Testament quote. If you're reading from the New American Standard, it's in, it's in caps. And it says, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one who, whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, and as the Lord directed me. <clears throat> now, the, Matthew gives credit to, to, to uh, Jeremiah. And there's, it, it, there's a lot in Jeremiah about a potter's field and about uh, uh, buying a potter, I mean a potter and a potter's field. But Dr. Wearsby says that this, because this, is a, this quote is directly from Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. But this, Dr. Wearsby says, but why did... Matthew relate this event over a prophet. Excuse me, but why did Matthew relate this event to a prophecy in Jeremiah when the prophecy is found in Zechariah? One possible solution is that the prophecy was spoken by Jeremiah and became part of the Jewish oral tradition. It was later written by Zechariah. The prophet Jeremiah. Uh, definitely was involved in the purchase of the field and also the potter's house, a burial ground. Matthew may have referred to these general facts as a background for the prophecy specifically written by Zechariah. I'm amazed when we go to Scripture and all the harmony that we have in the Scripture and yet they didn't have instant replay and they didn't have all the archives this day and time, you better be careful what you say to whoever you say because somebody's listening. And they'll be glad to share, to share it with you a little bit later. So uh, this was, as Dr. Wiersbe says, it was part of the oral tradition and, and the way they passed things along was, was just reciting it. They told a story and, and Jeremiah uh, uh, got tagged with that particular scripture, but it was actually... Zechariah. That part that we just looked at was has only found in the book of Matthew, 
uh, like we talked last week, and I've said, you know, it's not part of the Synoptic Gospels, but it's very unique to Matthew. Now we pick up in verse 11, and we go and talk about uh, Jesus before Pilate, and we are going into the crucifixion, which is the, the latter part of Friday. Uh, so I, did I, I don't think I said that, but... Uh, Chapter 21, verse 1, now when morning came, that, that was, that's Friday. So we're, we're here talking about this. Um, Art's got queued up a clip I'm going to show you. And it's a, it, it's a, a narrative about uh, the last day. We're just going to show about 10 minutes of it. Uh, it's an over an hour. Um, but it, it um, gives you a little idea of what's going on here. Must you betray me with this? Caesar! The Roman guard descended upon Jesus and grabbed him forcefully, as if he was a common criminal. The guards took Jesus to Caiaphas' house for a clandestine late-night trial where the Sanhedrin conspired to bring false witnesses against him. This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. What have you to say about that? But Jesus remained silent. I command you by the living God to tell us whether or not you are the Christ, the Son of God or not. If I told you, you would not believe me. Yes. Blasphemed! We need no more witnesses. What do you all think? The angry mob spat on Jesus and beat him. These were the same people who had welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem just four days earlier. The Pharisees were pleased that their plan was working. Next stop was Pontius Pilate, the governor. Pontius Pilate is an interesting uh, character, and he's somebody we can get a good firm grasp on historically. In 1961, Italian archaeologists unearthed a stone that was part of a fourth century staircase. But when they turned the stone over on the other side, they made an astonishing discovery. They found that the stone had been reused and was actually from the first century. It was originally part of a dedicatory inscription at a temple built for the emperor Tiberius. The first word they made out was Tiberius. But what came next was very enlightening. The next couple of lines is very clearly says Pontius Pilate, the prefect of Judea. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, you know, hold in your hand something and think, hey, this is uh, Pontius Pilate that I've always heard of. In the early hours of the morning, the Pharisees took Jesus to see Pontius Pilate and laid out their trumped up claims against him. Are you the king of the Jews? That's what you say. <laughs> Jewish king. Can you not hear what terrible things they say about you? But Jesus remained silent. 
I find this man has committed no crime. But he stirs up the people all the way from Galilee to here. So this man is a Galilean. He's a stranger. Then you have come to the wrong place. Take him to Herod. To Herod. So Caiaphas and soldiers took Jesus to Herod. This is not the same Herod from the Nativity story, but one of his many sons, who was a much lesser monarch. Now, Herod Antipas is well known in history, too. And somebody who's interested in coins, I'll have to tell you that there are many coins. They're relatively rare, but they're always found in Galilee. They're usually rather worn, but quite often they have very clearly written the name on, on there, Herod Antipas, or Herod the Tetrarch. They have the years they're minted on them. Some of them even minted in the same year uh, as the trial of Jesus that we read about in the Bible. As Herod was also in Jerusalem at the time, it was just a short journey to take Jesus to the king. Herod was thrilled to finally meet the man everyone had been talking about. What do we have here? It is Jesus of Nazareth. He calls himself King of the Jews. So you are Jesus Christ. I have been dying to meet you. <laughs> They say you are a miracle worker. That's on me. But again, Jesus remained silent. Herod continued to provoke Jesus into saying something that would incriminate himself. But he never uttered a word. While Herod found Jesus' silence entertaining, it infuriated the high priest Caiaphas. This man is guilty of blasphemy and should be put to death. It is your duty. Don't speak to me of duty, and do not suppose to know my mind. This man has nothing to say to me. Take him away. Nothing. Out, all of you. So the Sanhedrin had no choice but to take Jesus back to Pilate as their own religious laws prevented them from putting a man to death themselves. Needless to say, Pilate was not pleased to see Jesus again. He told the angry mob that he found no fault in Jesus, and since Herod also found him innocent of any crime worthy of death, that he would chastise him and release him. Pilate was anxious to keep the peace, and as he contemplated his next move, his wife came to him and urged him not to have anything to do with Jesus as she'd been having ominous dreams about him. You see this plastic tote right here that's out in the woods? I'm going to show you something. Let's see. See if I can get past this. I should have said that. This is a YouTube, so we got to advertise. Give me a second. In honor of the Jewish Passover. And you would have me release this murderer over this man who has committed no crime? And what would you have me do with this Jesus of Nazareth? The pilot saw that he could not persuade the crowd. He took a basin of water and washed his hands of the ugly mess to save his own political career. I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it.
So Jesus was sent off to be beaten or scourged, which was the Roman routine before crucifixion. Roman scourging was carried out by a lethal cat-o'-nine-tails whip made up of many leather thongs with shards of shattered bones with razor-sharp edges and steel balls tied to them. The steel balls would, would cause deep bruising in the flesh and the bone would cut the flesh, so we get a combination of bruising and lacerations. Roman law called for a maximum of 39 lashes, but often the guards would get so worked up, pounding away, that some victims died before they even made it to the cross. First of all, the deep bruising and pounding on the ribcage will cause bruising in the lung, which can lead to pleural effusion. The other more important and immediate thing that happens with the uh, scourging, with the lacerations, basically the flesh gets shredded by the whip. As a result, there's profuse bleeding. An average healthy adult man of around 180 pounds has 10 to 12 pints of blood in The amount of blood loss Jesus suffered during the scourging would have been between three and five pints. So that would cause him to have a drop in his blood pressure, which would mean that when he would be standing up, he would tend to pass out. That's called hypotension due to blood loss. It's also called hypovolemic shock or cardiovascular shock. Also, the kidneys would stop putting out urine, would be recovering all the kidneys could to maintain the blood volume. And so it would have the immediate sensation of thirst. So this also explains why he said when he was on the cross, I thirst. After they had stripped and beaten him, the soldiers placed a crown of thorns upon Jesus' head to mock him. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Then they led him up the hill to Calvary, pushing and kicking him as he struggled to carry his own cross. This chilling execution site had the foreboding nickname of Golgotha, or Place of the Skull.
crucifixion, most barbaric of any death. You can only imagine what Jesus went through. Verse 11, chapter 27. We'll read a little of what you saw. <clears throat> and when Jesus stood before the governor, the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? He said, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not answer. And Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they're testifying against you. And he did not answer him, them, with regard to a single charge. So the governor was quite amazed. Is that me? No. Okay. Verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release or the people, any one prisoner who they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy, they had handed him over. Uh, Pilate wasn't stupid of what was going on and he knew that the chief priests were doing this because of their position and that Jesus was was uh, was the gospel was spreading verse 19 while he was sitting at the judgment seat his wife sent a messenger saying have nothing to do with this righteous man for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then they released Barabbas for them, but having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. There's <clears throat> several things here that's uh, very interesting. And again, a verse that's unique to Matthew is verse 25. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us, and on our children. So the Jewish people today, you know, um, 
the ones who have not believed that Jesus is the Messiah, um, they have this blood on them because they did not know him. John told us in the first chapter that he came, the first chapter of John, that he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. Pilate was a puppet king there, or puppet governor, and he worked under the pleasure of the Roman Empire. And it was several things that he, he had authority to do. But he couldn't find anything to put him to death about. So hold a finger there and let's go to John chapter 19. And um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 19. And we'll look at a verse here. Uh, it's human nature hadn't changed through the years. I mean, we see it in our political system today, how some of the abuses and, and uh, what people do and how they do it. And, um, verse 11 of chapter 19. Uh, you with me? Chapter 19 of, of John, verse 11. And Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made no effort to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. So this is the trump card that the that the um, that the chief priest made, uh, the high priest made in the Sanhedrin to Pilate. He says, "If you don't, if you don't do this, you're no friend of Caesar." And the idea of Pilate keeping peace there with the Jews in this Roman-occupied land, uh, it was very important to Pilate to keep his job. Uh, sound familiar? You know, so we, we, you're no friend of Caesar if you, if you keep this guy around, so therefore he led him uh, to be crucified. <clears throat> Verse 27, chapter 27. I'm back to Matthew now. Chapter 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took the, Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him. After twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and began... Uh, to beat on him as they were mocking him. They took his scarlet coat, cloak off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him to be crucified. And as they were coming out, they found a man from Serene named Simon who they pressed into service to bear his cross. When they'd come to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him 
uh, wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. When they crucified him, they divided his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over Jesus. And above his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. There are other scriptures, John in particular, that, that the, tell us that the Sanhedrin or the chief priest uh, argued with him about what they had written. And he, they wrote it in three different languages. And Pilate says, what I've written, I've written. And uh, that he was the king of the Jews. They wanted to say, he said he is the king of the Jews. Verse 38, at that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those uh, passing were hurling abuses at him, wagging their heads, saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down upon the cross. And we mentioned last week when we were talking about Gethsemane, when Jesus did the heavy lifting in Gethsemane, he told him, he says, I could call six legion of angels at my disposal, which was uh, 72,000 angels Jesus could have called there, and he could have certainly called them at this time too, but his appointed death was uh, fixed in the Father's time, and he knew he had to drink that cup, and that's, that's where he was. <clears throat> Verse 41 same way the chief priest also okay the same way the chief priest also along with the scribes and elders were mocking him saying he saved others he himself he cannot save he is the king of Israel I let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him he trusts in God let God rescue him and he delights in him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him also insulted him at the same time. Now it was the sixth hour. Darkness fell about the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some who heard him says he's standing there he's, and heard him saying, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine, put it on the reed and gave it to drink. But the rest of them, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Behold, the veil in the temple was torn into from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tomb after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion, who, um, who, who who's were there to keep uh, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightening and it says truly 
this man was the Son of God. We've mentioned several times before about the Daddy Rambo's song that she wrote. You know, when he was on the cross, we were on his mind. And the cruel death that he took, we we showed in this class one time the Passion of Christ, uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of Christ, and it's very graphic. In fact, of the business, <laughs> it's very graphic, and we didn't go there this today. Uh, but the death that Jesus died for us was just a very gruesome, gruesome death, and we have nothing but gratitude for what he did. It's a tough, a tough death, but he did it because of the Father told him to, and he planned it from the foundation of the earth. So we'll stop there for today, and, uh, and Art will pick it up next week, and we'll uh, go into the, the resurrection, and we'll wind up We'll wind up Matthew, uh, and then Mark and I get our got to get our act together. Will we go immediately into uh, Samuel, or whether we pause for some Christmas, <laughs> some Christmas uh, stories? But we'll uh, we'll we'll work that out between us. Any questions? <laughs>